trust the experts. We're all in this together. If it saves one life, raise your hand if you heard any of those tiresome phrases over the past year and a half. I know my hand is currently raised. Millions of people across dozens of industries were labeled unessential and forced to lock down with livelihoods and futures crushed in an instant. And as government has continued to expand its power and leverage fear to turn neighbor against neighbor, a group of filmmakers have taken a stand and are determined to help set the record straight on the importance of following the actual science of the pandemic. Follow the science on lockdowns and liberty from the Sound Mind Creative Group is a brand new docuseries highlighting the stories of those negatively impacted over the past year and a half by ineffective government policy enacted in the name of following the science. With noted experts like Nick Hudson from Panda, the Pandemic Data and Analytics Organization, healthcare policy advisors like Scott Atlas, and telling stories of business owners, families, and just your average everyday person harmed by these government mandates. Follow the science on Lockdowns and Liberty is giving us a chance to make sure the true stories of the pandemic are told. So please help us at The Brian Nichols Show in supporting the Sound Mind Creative Group. With noted figures in the Liberty Movement like Dr. Tom Woods donating thousands of their own dollars to this project, you know just how important this project is. So head to briannicholshow.com forward slash follow the science to donate and catch their brand new trailer to the docuseries one more time. That's briannicholshow.com forward slash follow the science. We can become great at doing the the things that we do well, the things that we focus on. Like I'm, I think our audience is great at selling liberty. I think we have been amazing at doing that. Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the liberty movement. You start to ask questions that piques interest and get him to feel like, okay, this guy's actually got something that maybe can help me out. And then in your asking of questions and trying to uncover the real problems, build that natural trust. I know I went in the monologue there, man. <laughs> Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. Happy Wednesday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, and thank you for joining us on, you know it, another fun-filled episode. I am, of course, your humble host, and today we have a returning guest. She is one of my favorite Gen Zers out there, and honestly, it's because she's probably one of the smartest Gen Zers you'll ever meet, and that is one Magdalene Rose. Now, Magdalene is joining the program today to make sure that we are not forgetting to talk about Afghanistan, but not only not to uh, not forget to talk about it, but to not let it get out of the national conversation. She she makes her case. Why only not only should we not stop talking about Afghanistan, but gets in to the details. What are those details? Well, you'll have to stick around. So with that being said, onto the show, Magdalene Rose here on the Brian Nichols show. Hi, thank you so much for having me back. Absolutely. Magdalene, how have things been, number one? Because I know it's been a while since we last talked, I think February, last you were on the show. But number two, what's been going on? You've been busy over in your neck of the woods. So how about this? We've been growing here at the show. Reintroduce yourself to the, the Brian Nichols Show audience and let's go into what's been going on in the world of Magdalene Rose. Definitely. Well, I'm Magdalene Rose. I'm 21 and I'm a political affairs correspondent for the Crusade Channel, which is a radio network. And I'm also one of the hosts on the Mick Files Network, which is where my in my visual show kind of like this airs. And I interview people in education and in foreign affairs and policy, sometimes 
top pop culture. And I'm also on the board of Tunisie International, which is a young conservative youth organization that deals with helping, I think, young conservatives who are sort of embattled on college campuses. So that's what's been going on recently. And I'm also a writer for Tunisie. And in the meantime, do you sleep? Do you have some time to I have do. a social life? Okay. Uh, well, not that much of a social life, but I'm also a full-time college student. Wow. Oh, okay. So I, I forget what it must be like to have the energy. I mean, I'm an old man approaching 30 here. And I, I know that back when I was young, I, I actually used to have fun story. It was a Mr. Coffee um, coffee maker. And it was actually probably like, I don't know, two feet or so tall, foot and a half wide. And you know how you have um like the, the drinking fountain, like not drinking fountain, the, um, the, the soda fountains. At yeah. The, but yeah. It's like that, but for coffee. And I would fill the entire thing and I would have at least two of those a day. Um, probably not good for the old ticker, but I digress. So with that being said, Magdalene, um, yeah, as folks in here, you've been busy. You've been mm-hmm. having a lot of great conversations. One of those conversations you had, actually, you were saying before when we were discussing um, before the air, uh, we started recording here in the air, that that was actually what got you to um, your your job now at the Crusade Channel. Can, can yes. you dig into how that process worked? Because I actually found that fascinating from yeah. a networking standpoint. Yeah, definitely. And just so you know, I actually don't drink coffee. So it's even worse than you might think it is. Um, I got the job at the Crusade Channel because I interviewed the head of their network, Mike Church, about conservative radio, alternative media and conservatism. I really like radio. I think it's a really untapped resource across the political spectrum. So I interviewed him and I guess he was impressed because he he asked me, like, do you want to be part of this? And I said to him in the interview, there's such a difficulty in getting mentorship in the conservative world. And I followed up with him and he explained that he would mentor me and give me pointers and radio. And he's done that. So now I'm their political affairs correspondent and my show airs in a radio format, obviously just the audio on their network. And I think something that's been really impressive to me since I became involved in politics about three years ago is that when I go on a show, I'm usually invited back and like, like in this case, or I'm given some other opportunity. And I think that's a marker of when you're in a good place and you're improving is when people are impressed enough to want to have you back or see value in what you're saying repeatedly. Oh, you said the word. I'm so glad I was going to say, it's not just because you're, you're great at what you do. It's because you bring value Magdalene. And that's the key, not just in what you're doing here, but also what people are looking for out mm-hmm. there when you know, you're, you're selling a solution, when you're yeah. selling yourself, honestly, we all have <laughs> ideas or, or in some cases you're going for a new job, whatever it may be, you have to be able to sell the value of you. And yeah. you've done that very, very well. So congratulations on all your success you. thus far. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and let's dig into some of those conversations you're having. And this I want to be the, the topic of today. And that is mm-hmm. really something that, to your point, we as we were discussing beforehand, we need to keep talking about. And that is one, Afghanistan. Now, we saw back in, I think it was just as we got towards the end of uh, August there, the Joe Biden administration uh, pretty much just, you know, tucked tail and ran out of yeah. Afghanistan. Uh, I, I have been, you know, saying for a while, yes, we do need to get out of Afghanistan, as have pretty much every libertarian out there. Uh, just maybe this was not the way to go about that. So a lot of libertarians are on uh, on board in terms of saying this was not done at all in the, the right way. Now, granted, is there ever a right way? Will there ever be a right way? Absolutely not. But let's dig into some of those consequences of what's happened, Magdalene. Why should we keep on talking about Afghanistan? 
Because it's impacting everything. And what is incredibly frustrating for me, just as somebody who covers the news, is that for the weeks leading up to the collapse, really in late August, the middle of August, I had been reporting on, as had other people, the Taliban recapturing certain provinces in Afghanistan. So their map was rapidly expanding. They were getting areas in the middle of the country to the outskirts, and they were becoming more and more dominant. So for the Biden administration to say it sort of caught them off guard or their intelligence was wrong about how long it would take the Afghan military to fall. I don't really understand if I knew it. How did Joe Biden not know it? And I think the long-term implications, we're seeing them on the on the international stage. Our allies have less patience for us. And I think the reason for that is because we dragged them into a war over 20 years ago with Bush. And now that we've left, we've sort of collapsed their presence in the region. It's humiliating for them as well. And then when you also look at the economic costs, we left billions of dollars of equipment there. And what I, I really stood out to me is I don't think people understand what the cost financially is going to be to keep the terror threat low going forward. You're going to have to invest in more technology, in more monitoring of people. You're going to see more freedoms infringed upon because we don't have a foothold in the country, even in a small area, to monitor the growing terror threat because Afghanistan can become an area that has the Al-Qaeda and ISIS-K and ISIS and the Taliban all working together, converging together because they have a common enemy in us and in the West. So let me play devil's advocate because as the host of the show, it is my role. Um, so let's now look at, I guess, you know, what would be, uh, I guess, your solution if we had stayed? Um, when would it end? It, it, would it end? Is there a time that you could say, hey, you know what? We've accomplished our mission and it's time to come home. What would that look like? Oh, I wanted us to leave. Definitely. I wanted us to leave Afghanistan. I don't believe in useless wars. I personally think that we should just make our country a rock of protection in and of itself and have great relationship with partners through technology. My my problem with Afghanistan that I don't understand, though, is we have troops stationed all around the world. We have pockets of troops everywhere. And we were, were repeatedly told by people in the Afghan military, people on the ground there, that 1,000 soldiers could deter the Taliban from reemerging in a big way, that one one air base there, having one military base rather there, can stop the Taliban from reemerging. So if we have troops stationed around the world, like in South Korea and Germany, many, many troops in Germany, I don't understand why we couldn't no longer be at war with the country, but have some sort of presence as a deterrent, which we do throughout the world and which I think is successful on some level, I think, especially when it comes with North Korea. We just needed a deterrent. We didn't need to be at war, but we did need a presence and we could not go in during fighting season with the Taliban and put ourselves in the position where they thought they could come at us because that is what they believe now. Interesting. So let me now also push back a little bit, Magdalene. So I've heard this argument in the past more so, you know, hey, and I think actually Ben Shapiro says this too, you know, it, it didn't cost us much to do what we've been doing. Now, what's the cost? I mean, it's somewhere in the ballpark, I think 70 some odd billion dollars, what we are spending over in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Hey, just as, as a taxpayer, I will say that bill does come due. And I think we're at 29 trillion ballpark yeah. dollars or so for our national debt right now. So that is an issue I am concerned about. Um, but also is it our role? Should we be the world's policeman? And we heard this a lot yeah. from our friends on the left who have suspiciously yeah. gone silent um, yeah. during the Biden administration. But, uh, I, I'm old enough to remember back mm-hmm. with Bush. Uh, you know, we heard this from the from the left, and and they were right. We we do not have, I, and I say they are right. This is my personal opinion. Um, we do not have not only the moral authority, but we do not have the financial means to be the world's policeman, regardless of you know the good. I guess that would come from that. It's 
it's really showing its ugly head at home when we don't focus inward and Mm -hmm. we we do spend a lot of time outward focusing on keeping the other bad guys from being bad guys and then in some cases giving those bad guys our billions of dollars in weapons. Magdalene, thoughts? Well, I don't think we need to be the world's policemen. I do think, however, we're in a situation where because of the failures of several past presidents, and I think some of the failures of Tony Blair from the UK in the early 2000s, we have a very big Islamic terror issue. We have a very big problem in the Middle East. And it's not something we can run away from. So even though I personally don't want to be paying for the protection of other countries, Having footholds in the Middle East would, in my opinion, deter a lot of the same issues that we've had in the past. And I think one of the reasons for this, in my view, is that if we don't have some sort of presence there, the reality is China or Russia is going to. And I don't think that Russia has the same level of hatred for the U.S. in terms of wanting to eclipse them on a manufacturing level as China does because they don't have the same capabilities. But China is now being talked about by the Taliban as their number one international partner. So if we have no foothold there. To me, it doesn't really feel like we're not the world's place. It feels like we're being left out of the conversation. That's something that a country this big can't afford to have happen. Because when you're a country this big, you have all the privileges that go along with it. You get the best table at Davos. The UN people want to talk to you. But you're also the number one enemy in a lot of people's minds who are trying to build themselves up. It's unfortunate that there are the natural resources there are in Afghanistan. It's unfortunate there's amount of oil there is there. But if we don't have some sort of ability to monitor, at least with going on there i fear we'll be caught very unaware of what happens going forward so i've done my libertarian part my audience heard it i i i do what i'm supposed to do um we're gonna move forward because i I don't want to focus too much on the uh the differences of opinion because hey this is where we are now right now let's go to the real world this is something that libertarians get too stuck in you'll say well it should have been like (laughs) this and i say well, it's not. And here's where we are. So let's work with what we got. And I think that's maybe where we can go with this conversation, Magdalene, is let's work with what we got. And yeah. let's first address to the main point of why you're on the show, why Afghanistan needs to stay top of mind. You listed off three uh, issues beforehand. They were financial issues, international issues, and domestic issues here at home. Let's start off with the financial issues. Why, from a financial perspective, should we be talking about Afghanistan still? Because the American people have a right to know how much money was wasted there. We have a right to know how much money was left there in terms of weapons and machinery and the amount of money that was paid into training in Afghan military that we're now seeing was woefully unprepared and in a lot of ways, I think, was oversold to the international community and their capabilities. There needs to be not just an audit, but sort of an evisceration of what happened in the financials of Afghanistan. It's one thing to pour money into a useless conflict. I think a lot of people just assume the United States does that. But then to leave the money there in terms of machinery, in terms of equipment, to me, that's mind boggling. And if we don't find out the true cost of Afghanistan, we will never find out the true cost of any war going forward because Afghanistan is one of the most detested wars by the majority of people in this country across age brackets. And that's a very difficult thing to do. Many people seem to like one war if they're one age bracket and not if they're another. So that's the financial cost. And I also think if we don't know what it, the amount of money it took to lose a war we will never know the amount of money it would take to actually win a war with troops on the ground interesting interesting now now (laughs) 
I'm not sure. Do you did you know um you know the, the September 10th story uh the Pentagon saying or is actually Donald Rumsfeld saying that we couldn't find I think it was 2.3 yeah. trillion dollars um which I mean that number itself is just jaw dropping trying to even comprehend 2.3 trillion dollars and then just like and we can't find it yeah, um yeah, we surprise. just can't find it i know isn't that wild that happens um but then to i guess to your point and it does reinforce that point is that it is important because that money from you know september 10th it literally just poof is gone yeah. at least we can look at afghanistan and say see that you know that black hawk helicopter yeah. how many u.s tax dollars went towards that yeah. yep yeah. that's that's uh that sucks um so make sure you feel that pain. I actually did this to uh, one of my reps here. Um, he, he's, uh, he's your age. And um, he was talking, uh, he's a little bit older. He was talking about going out clubbing and we're up here in Philadelphia. And uh, he was nervous because <laughs> he was nervous about the lockdowns um, coming yeah. back and like all these restrictions. And he goes, Brian, do you think, do you think they're going to do it? And I said, you know what? I hope they do. And he kind of like, just looked at me like shocked because he's like, I know, I know Brian doesn't think that he's yeah. like, what, why? And I was like, cause you have to get angry. You yeah, have to be yeah. upset that this is happening to you. And only then will you get actually motivated to do something. Now, I get a little excited looking at our college uh, football stadiums right now who are full of, it seems, yeah. kids your age who are all together getting angry and chanting F Joe Biden because of that yeah. collective anger. Now, I'm not a fan of collective anger, but at the very least, you're starting to see people acknowledging there's an issue here. So. Yeah. I, I, I agree 100%. It is important to keep the financial issues top of mind. Now, let's go to the international perspective. What's the argument there of keeping Afghanistan top of mind? Well, our allies are furious with us. And anyone who thinks they aren't is not paying attention to what's happening. You look at this conflict right now between France, the UK and Australia, with the US and Australia and the UK sort of having their own pact now in terms of development of technologies. And there's an issue with nuclear submarines. I don't think France would be this angry had they also not just been humiliated on the world stage, being one of the allies involved in the war in Afghanistan. And this is what you're going to see going forward. Our allies are our allies because we have good relations with them, but also because there's an idea of the stability of the United States in terms of esteem and power. When that esteem and power dissipates, our allies look at us as what is the failsafe for being your ally? Why are we going to bat for you? And this is something that I wish under the Trump administration had been different. When he was elected, I assumed we were going to see a recalibration of who Trump viewed, uh, who the United States viewed as our number one group of allies. Perhaps we would go into areas like Poland, which has a very big military, which could defend other people instead of us always having to do it. I thought we would see more of an interaction with the Eastern Bloc in Europe. None of that happened. Instead, we got this strange neocon foreign policy with some glimmers of hope with Pompeo. So if we don't keep talking about Afghanistan, we're not going to know just how angry our allies are. Make no mistake, Boris Johnson is in big political trouble amongst the military families and the military culture in the UK, which is huge. My dad's in the UK. I know that. It's a huge culture there. And there is severe anger, which is our fault, which is a political miscalculation on our part to think nobody cares anymore. Well, 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 well. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what more to say to that because that <laughs> was so well said. Uh, kudos, Magdalene. Um, international, international. We covered domestic. Now, this yeah. is something I think you're going to have a lot of people. They're going to say, yep, I feel it because we know, we all know somebody who served overseas. Mm -hmm. I have 
dozens of friends who have served either in Afghanistan, in Iraq. I'm I'm up, I'm originally from upstate New York, right near Fort Drum, New York. And I, I mean, it's part of the culture up mm-hmm. there. Um, it hurt a lot of people. A yeah. lot of veterans have been hurting. Um, I, I saw so many veterans sharing just how crushed they were. You know, was my buddy's death for vain? Did I lose an yeah. arm for nothing? And and that hurt me. Be- I mean, just to see them hurt so much. So I think right there, let's start off on the impact on, on our, our veterans, the impact on those who are serving. Magnum, what are you seeing? It's horrible. And it's especially, in my view, horrible because I know a lot of young conservatives who have family members who are in the military, who are in the military, and they just feel so used and used in the way that not not that they regret going and serving, not that they feel used by the country, but used by people like Biden, like Republicans, like the, the second Bush, who go and they want photo ops with these troops. They want to go to the Middle East and fly in a cool helicopter like it's a James Bond movie and sit there and get photos with them. But then they literally leave a lot of them on their own in Afghanistan. And when we have 13 service members die from a terrorist attack, and then you find out that the the airstrike, I believe, that the Biden administration order didn't so much hit the target, but instead killed seven children and several other people in that family, I think a lot of veterans feel that the United States is not on on the right side of a conflict right now in terms of protecting the United States' interests. And those 13 service members too many of those families, in my view, have said specific things about how the Biden administration has treated them and, and acted towards them since they got the news of what had happened since the funerals. Too many of them are upset about it. it. It's like, to me, if you have one person, maybe that one person is wracked with grief or someone has spoken to them. But when you have several family members, when you have several parents saying Biden was dismissive and only talked about his own son who died from cancer or did not die in service, to me, that shows we have a president who is completely apathetic towards the process it's kind of like well he lost his son so you guys can lose your children it'll be okay we hear that's empathy i'm told yeah. that's empathy magdalene mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. no it, well and, and here's the reality right if people listen to this program they would know all about empathy because yeah. jeremy todd and i just did oh what was it eight eight weeks two months of empathy talk jeremy don't worry i'm not saying it in a bad way i'm saying that because we learned so much. I mean, it was like going to class. Um, so if you really want to learn what empathy is, folks, go back and listen to our past two uh, two months here with Jeremy on our Monday episodes. But to the point, yeah, Joe Biden, he got F minus, like yeah. not, not good reviews at all mm-hmm. from people, no. uh, especially in terms of not how he was not just not just alone with the interaction with the families. But I mean, goodness, the, the casket's coming off the plane and he's looking at his watch. The optics are, are he's, horrid. He's terrible. His, it his is. optics are horrible. It, it, and it, I guess, and let's, as we're going towards the end of the conversation, let's paint it this way because your average person, they're listening to this. And if they're getting mad, good. Um, but what, what next? What, what should your average person do, Magdalene, to keep Afghanistan not only in the conversation, but to actually get something done about it? 
Well, I think on the Republican side, you have to get angry at the Republicans who stop talking about it. And what I mean by that is you're going to go into 2022 and you're going to hear the same crap from the GOP about tax cuts and school choice and all this stuff. And you're going to notice that they're only going to criticize Biden on the service members who died. They're only, they're only going to criticize him on specific things. They need to be criticizing him on the entire evacuation process. So if you see a Republican who is sort of dodging the issue who doesn't want to upset the dc balance tell them that they're a coward to make them talk about it and if you're on the democrat side democrats have to decide whether or not they want to be an ideological party and personally i think their strength is when they're more ideological even if it's insanity they have to decide if they want to be that or they want to be corporate democrats and if they're if they're ideological Go up to Biden at something, make a stink, do the kind of thing where Black Lives Matter stormed the stage of Bernie Sanders in the 2016 race and say to him, why did this happen? Have your activists who have no real jobs go up there and yell at him or yell at a proxy of his. Make people have to participate. You don't have to don't be violent towards him. Don't do any of that. But just make him have to answer questions that are not given to him by Jen Psaki, because until you do that, you're not going to have any sort of concrete moving forward. And don't fall for the I like to call it the Trey Gowdy system where we just yell about things and we have lots of committee hearings and nothing ever comes of it. If you're a conservative or a libertarian, do not fall for that because Congress is not really going to investigate this because everybody is involved on some level in making sure the crisis in Afghanistan happened the way it did, even if that was through not raising the alarm bell about what was happening in early August. Jack Hunter, you know, he's listening to the show right now. All politics is is wrestling. So, yeah, that we all know that's the reality. But Magdalene, I'm just going to be real. I just get so fired up hearing you, Olivia Rondo, Tamina Debegorzi, like all of you Gen Zers who have been on the program who are just fired up and you you got it. Like the the attention that and not just attention, but the uh, the, the very focused dedication that you have to getting this stuff taken care of. It gets me inspired because I unfortunately have a lot of my generation, the millennials, who become overtly apathetic to the system. They, they, you know, are just like, oh, what was me? And it's just so, I mean, it, it truly is so disheartening seeing so many of my generation being the, the epitome of everybody gets a trophy. Like, yeah. ugh. but it seems that your generation, and we talked about this last time you were on the show, there's a spark that you see the opportunity as the individual to, to pave your own destiny. I know there comes, I forget the psychologist who talked about this, but like, there's actually almost a danger to it of being like the, the hero in your own movie or whatever yeah. it is, but it's not that I don't think. Cause I think no. you guys are growing up in this world where you're seeing that you don't have to go, you know, like the, the your parents did where yeah. you go to the, the job at the factory for 55 years that a lot that's a lot um 50 years i don't know <laughs> and you retire at the factory doing that one job for life yeah. and then you go home and die that's life and that had been life but we're seeing your generation much more say like hey i can start a company online as a college student yeah and i can sell or do <laughs> whatever wherever with whoever and yeah. it's just it is, a, I think, partly the technological aspect of things because your generation is just growing up with the tools at your disposal. The older generations, we didn't have that. And if we had them now, we're like, how does this work? And and we're, we're learning along the way, whereas your generation just picks it up and you go. 
So I think you're going to have the tools to actually get a lot of the things we talk about into action, help make, you know, build the solutions to make the problems almost irrelevant, if that makes sense. But let's do this because I want to make sure that people can, can not only get excited about the future, but get excited about you and learn about all the exciting things you're doing. Let's go ahead and point them towards number one, the crusade channel. And number two, Magdalene, if they want to continue the conversation with you, where can they go ahead and do that? Sure. Well, you can go to the crusadechannel.com, which is also the link in my Twitter bio. And you can follow me on Twitter, which is where I post most of my things. My show also airs there live on Thursday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. So you can go to my Twitter, which is Magdalene Rose, M-A-H-G-D-A-L-E-N Rose. And my link in my bio, you can find all the ways to contact me. And I'm also on YouTube and Instagram and all those mediums. Fantastic. And how about this, folks? Because I'm a generous host, I will include all everything that Magdalene has gone ahead and listed off in our show notes, go to your favorite podcast catcher that we are listening to right now. Click the Brian Nichols show artwork. It'll bring you right to our website page where you will find not only today's episode with all of the show notes, but also an entire transcription of everything we discussed today. Magdalene Rose. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us here on today's episode of the Brian Nichols show. Thank you so much for having me. Have you checked out the new Brian Nichols Show collection over at Proud Libertarian? Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash shop and you can grab some amazing Liberty swag that will definitely help pique some interest from our good ideas don't require force snapbacks, Alexa overthrow the government t-shirts, question everything mugs, and of course our ever popular don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff bumper sticker. The Brian Nichols Show shop over at Proud Libertarian has all the Liberty swag you need. And hey, if you're looking for more awesome Liberty Apparel, check out the rest of the amazing Proud Libertarian store while you're over there. And be sure to use code TBNS at checkout to get 10% off your entire order. That's right, 10% off your entire order from Proud Libertarian, including everything over at the Brian Nichols Show shop. And all you have to use is code TBNS at checkout. One more time, head to BrianNicholsShow.com forward slash shop and check out the brand new Brian Nichols Show store over at Proud Libertarian and use code TBNS at checkout for 10% off your entire entire order. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up our conversation with Magdalene Rose. Thank you so much, Magdalene, for joining the conversation. And folks, if you enjoyed today's episode, you know what you have to do. Go ahead, give it a share. Make sure you tag Magdalene. And when you're at it, go ahead and give me a tag too at B Nichols Liberty. But with that being said, that's all I have for you this week. Coming up tomorrow. Tomorrow we have one Chris Goizetta. He is going to be, yes, bringing you to school because he has a little break from school. Thanks, Chris, for taking some time because, yes, he's a professor of marketing. And with that being said, you are going to make sure you're going to class with Chris Goizetta talking all things marketing. And with that being said, please do us a favor. Go ahead and give Chris some love. He has been so busy. uh, And I think it really makes him feel better to know that he's got such amazing fans here at The Brian Nichols Show who not only are taking what we're learning at The Brian Nichols Show, and using it and applying it into the world of liberty politics, but it's making a difference, and that would not be happening if it were not for uh, Chris really helping us grow. So give him a shout when you're uh, you're at it. So with that being said, folks, thank you for joining us on today's episode. Brian Nichols signing off here on the Brian Nichols Show for Magdalene Rose. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. 
Find us at briannicholsshow.com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty and consider donating to the show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Laura Stanley, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to william at dbpodaudio.com.